Welcome to episode 279 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed listening to Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating the podcast with five stars. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a review. Your ratings help new people find the show. And if you know someone that you think will like Stageworthy, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I knew told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. If you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 279 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is actor and artist educator Yvonne Adai. The first question that I would have for you is if you could tell me, how do you describe your artistic practice? I, you know what, that's something I've been figuring out in quarantine. I think I just describe myself as an art, as an artist, actor, creator, and arts educator. Um, I like to not be specific. Mm-hmm. I just, you know that makes me open to try new things. Um, yeah, there is a certain amount of freedom in not, not saying I am just this one thing. Yeah. Now you alluded to you, you've been figuring out, you've been thinking about it. Is that something like, has something changed over the last year in the way that you think of your artistic practice? Yeah. So like, this since the pandemic, I've been asked by a few friends if I would join them in producing work. Now, hmm. producing is not something I ever imagined I would do. I actually ran away from it because I was like, ugh, seems like so much work. And I don't want to have to do that much work. But I have fallen into this producing world, which at first I did not like because it's a lot of work, but now that I'm more into it, I'm actually enjoying it. So now I'm like adding more titles to myself. So now I'm like, now I'm an actor, <laughs> arts educator, producer. Like I just keep adding these things that I never thought I would get into. And I think that's why for so long, I never wanted to be specific just in mm-hmm. case, like, you know, I can, so that's, oh, I'm open to just adding something new. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what kind of work have you been producing? Is it is it digital? Is it is it in person? What kind of work uh, have you been involved with? Digital. So, um, yeah, it's it's very interesting to bring theater in the digital format. Um, that's something that I'm experiencing, and um, it's wild. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is so wild. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing is more digital um, work. It's such an interesting thing that none of us ever thought we would do. Right. Like, 
suddenly we're like figuring out how to live stream, how to record, how to <laughs> what what webcam should I have? I've never had to think about these things before and all of this stuff. Um, how did you learn what you need to know in order to produce this stuff? You know what? Luckily, I'm doing it with a group of women that are just smart. And they, for a lot of them, have had experience. And I think we're also just learning as we go. Um, it's been a lot of YouTube videos. It's been a lot of joining, you know, like the different... Um, workshops that have been happening and just mm. bouncing ideas off of other people that have done it before. So I'm working with a group of women that I did a fringe show with in 2019. And we are kind of doing a sequel to our show, but taking it online. And so it's been very interesting to just get conversation from other artists who are doing the same thing and, you mm. know, exchanging um, information. I feel like it's so important what we do in the theaters sharing. So um, it's been great that people have been very open with sharing their resources and their wisdom in this area because we haven't done it before. <laughs> I think that is one of the things that's, that's kind of awesome about, about the situation mm -hmm. is that people who have the knowledge have been very free with it. Yeah. Um, and also there's a, a, there's still, I think a lot of, a lot of forgiveness for the fact that, this is new for everybody. We're all still learning this stuff. Yeah. Because um, we were, I don't know, we were all kind of hoping that we wouldn't be doing this still. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> exactly. I remember a year ago, you know, as as things were going in April, I was like, well, I'm sure that by the fall, everything's going to be back to normal and we won't have to invest too much time in all of this. Yeah. And then, you know. We're still here. <laughs> Um, what's the what has surprised you the most in terms of 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 digital performance? I don't feel as disconnected as I thought I would. And hmm. the thing is, I think because I've also been teaching a lot of online classes um, for work, I was nervous about it because I never felt like I could create a space where people could feel connected online. Um, you know, of course, over Zoom, it gets tiring. And so realizing that you can actually still create that dynamic over um, a Zoom platform or over online platform was cool for me to experience. Mm. And I mean, it's not, of course, it's not film or television, but it, it it's still, you're still, you're still able to create a space that people feel like they're connected with you. I watched the show Factory Theater, um, Acts of Faith, and I was like, wow, mm. I feel so connected to this character. And mm. I did not feel like I was missing out on a theater. It felt so real and so cool to experience mm. that. And mm. so I think that's one thing that I've surprised me is you can still really connect with people and, um, yeah, over online. I feel like that has been generally the biggest challenge of digital is is trying to find a way to connect because we already have a situation where like you a lot of people spend large portions of their day in zoom yeah doing meetings and things like that and so there's some way that we have to 
take people out of the Zoom mindset when they come into our digital theater. Yeah. And that's such a challenge to to make them feel like we're connecting with them. And also just to, I don't know, give them the feeling like you are leaving your workspace and coming into an, uh, a performance space. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it's easier because I'm a theater artist <laughs> to be like, okay, I'm leaving and I'm entering a different world. Um, mm. And I don't know if that's how everyone experiences it, but that's certainly how I've experienced it. And so I think that's why I haven't felt like I'm completely missing out. What I do miss is being physically next to someone and hearing mm. them gasp or hearing them laugh. And that's, you know, prompting me to laugh and just breathing in the same space as a bunch of people enjoying this piece of work on the stage. That's definitely what I miss. But um I've still been able to feel connected to whatever I've been watching. That's absolutely the kind of thing that I, I missed yeah. terribly. <laughs> um, I remember, you know, uh, uh, when when Disney Plus put out uh, Hamilton mm-hmm. as something you could watch. Um, it was, you know, great to watch it. But mostly I watched it and felt like I really miss being in a theater. Yeah. And hearing people laugh and hearing people applaud and hearing people cry and all of that stuff. I miss it so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, 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 there's a, a back when the, all of this stuff was starting with the, the digital, digital theater, there was a lot of, there were quite a few voices that were sort of like keeping their noses in the air and saying, well, it's not theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, keeping a distance from it. Um, I hear less of that now mm-hmm. as, as time has gone on. But I wonder if, if, if when you were sort of approaching the digital production, did you have any of those misgivings that this isn't really theater or, or anything like that? Um, a little bit. But I think we, because I didn't, um, because it wasn't theater, I didn't, you know, compare it to theater. I just accepted that this is not the traditional sense of theater, but you're still telling a story. And so I feel like I tried not to compare what I'm seeing online to what it's like being in the theater because they're not the same. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like they're completely different. So when people say this is not theater, you're right. It's not necess- It's not the traditional theater, but it's in the sense that we're still telling stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you're, it doesn't completely feel like you're watching a movie or a TV show either. Um, so I try to just not, you know, um, classify it as theater in the traditional sense of being in live and watching it happen right in front of you and all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it isn't, it isn't theater, but it's what we have right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And like you say, we are storytellers. And so, um, and we're driven to tell stories. Imagine how pent up we would all be (laughs) if we were just like, well, I guess we just have to wait till this thing is over. Exactly. I would go crazy, but I think it's the fact that I can still tell stories and still walk Mm -hmm. into, walk in the shoes of this character is what for me gets me excited. It's like, I'm still allowed to tell stories. And that's all I really care about at this point. For me, there's also a little bit of 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 this this sort of pride in the fact that theater people are so resourceful. Mm-hmm. Like we're inventing 
a temporary way to bring stories to people mm -hmm. as best we can and figuring it out as we go and just sort of stumbling through, but it's okay because we're still making it work somehow. And, you know, I, like I was saying, every people are like buying new cameras and figuring out, is my internet connection strong enough and learning new technologies? And that's like, that's how driven we are to tell stories. Exactly. I had to go buy a new webcam. <laughs> I was like, who would have thought? But yeah, I went and bought new webcam and uh, equipment that would make my work better. Uh, mm -hmm. So. <laughs> and you're not, you're not, I mean, I like so many people I've, I was, uh, uh, I talked with, uh, with Velvet Wells a, a while back and, and at the time they were, they were working on like how to, to do singing on camera and to get their music into zoom and into like how to do all of this stuff and figuring it out on their own, which is amazing. Wow. That's incredible. Every, every time I see something, I think it's incredible. So it's <laughs> yeah. just like, just the fact that it's happening. Yeah. You're like mind blown each time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially coming from people who, who, you know, about a maybe just over a year ago would have told me, I'm not technical. I'm not technical. I could never do something like that. I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> now look at you. I know, right? I'm like, check me out. I know all about Zoom right now. <laughs> Amazing. Now, Yvonne, one of the things that I love to talk about on this show is uh, the, the, the theater origin story oh. of my guest. And so... What I'm curious for you, mm -hmm. what was, what made you want to do theater? What was your story? What got you from there to here? Oh, that's a good one. I would say that ever since I was a child, I've always been creative. I've always loved to play and tell stories. I was definitely that kid that would force all the cousins to partake in whatever play that I wrote and I will direct mm. and, you know, set costume that was me and I would always do it and I've always had it in me but I grew up in um African household um immigrant parents who both are in the medical field so I never saw theater or or acting or arts as a career path that just was something that you do as a hobby and so you know I would do it in school I would partake in like choir and drama but I never saw it as you can do this for a living <laughs> because my parents, that was just not a thing. You're going to go to school and do something that's, you know, a career and you can make money and pay your bills. So for me, it never crossed my mind that I could do that. And so when I went to university in the first year, I was actually there for nursing um, <laughs> to kind of, you know, make my parents happy and um, pick a career that I knew would pay my bills and I think after I got 14% on my statistics exam, I knew that was not for me. <laughs> and I remember it was actually my parents calling me and saying, hey, so we've been talking about it and we think that nursing is not for you. We don't think you'd be a good nurse, <laughs> but we know that you have this creative side of you. So, you know, would you like to pursue that? Um, as a career acting well, or like, you know, is there something that you can do? And I was like, oh my goodness, thank God. Huh. So I think my parents giving me the blessing to then go searching for something was all I needed from them. And so I took my first drama class actually um, just for fun because theater was not something I even really 
like paid attention to. Loved watching it, loved watching movies, but I never again thought that could be me. So I took my first drama class and I just fell in love. I said, wow, this is absolutely incredible. What a world to be in. And my first year I got cast in um, the production of the school. I went to University of Saskatchewan. So I got cast in Quorum Boy by Helen Edmondson. And that was just a thrilling experience. But in that moment too, I felt a love for theater but I also immediately started to regret going into this because Mm. um, as I was, during the show, I was doing a costume change and one of the students that was doing, I guess, costume class um, pulled me aside as she was helping me change out of my costume. And she was like, hey, you know, you only got this role because you're black. And I was like, whoa, this is you, this is, not what I was expecting. And in that moment, I realized this is not going to be easy for me. Hmm. And I remember going back on stage with that saying still in the back of my head. And I was like, wow, am I really only, I'm the only black person here. So is this because I'm black or is this because I worked my butt off in the audition to get this role? And so in that moment, I wasn't sure if this is where I wanted to be. And I think it was after having a conversation with the director at the time. And she was like, just so you know, I picked you because you're good. And because I saw something in you with the character, it just connected. And you were not the only Black person that I auditioned. Um, I just saw that you worked hard and I felt like you deserved this role. And I think after that, my confidence kind of went up again. But it really, Mm. in that moment, taught me that if I'm going to do this, I can't um, crave the validation of anybody else but myself. Like I Mm. cannot let anyone tell me that I'm good enough or I'm not good enough. If I know that I'm good enough, that's all that matters. And if, you know, I work hard and I keep like, I'm driven, my work will show for itself and I don't need to prove anything to anyone. So that's Mm. my theater origin story. I did not expect to go into theater, but here I am. And I absolutely love it. (laughs) There's a couple of things. There's a couple of things in your story. First off, um, that person who pulled you aside. Mm -hmm. What a thing to do to somebody in the middle of a performance. I know. I was really, I was shocked. And I went back and it affected the rest of my performance because that's all I could think about. Of course it did. (laughs) Of course it did. Now, it's a terrible thing to say anyway, but in the middle of performance, what a way Mm. to undermine the performance of the person that you've just spoken to. Right. And. I, you know, maybe that's what they were going for, but it's terrible to do mm-hmm. uh, to, to anybody. Yeah. It, um, you go ahead. Yeah. It was weird. It was absolutely, and it came from a white woman. So I just felt very like, Oh, about it. <laughs> just for the record, you didn't have to say that it came from a white person. That was, <laughs> that was just a given, right? That was just a given. Um, now, uh, I'm curious about, your experience going into nursing (laughs) because um, as somebody who was like interested in telling stories and making the cousins, I'll get involved in your, in the shows that you were creating, Mm -hmm. by the way, that's a very familiar story to me. (laughs) Um, But 
At what point did like did you decide early on that you were going to go into nursing or was it a last minute thing? I have to choose something that's a quote unquote real career. It was a panic last minute thing. And I actually wanted to do pediatric nursing. So I still wanted to be around kids because I thought hmm. maybe there's a way that I could incorporate what I like, you know, play and, and, and storytelling in the hospital with kids hmm. and just be a little bit lighthearted. But um that's really what it was, was I wanted to do something that I could still, it might present the opportunity for me to make someone laugh or smile. Mm. Hmm. But I hate blood. That's one thing. I'm terrified of needles and the smell of hospitals freaks me out. So I don't even know why. <laughs> and I think my parents knew. They were like, listen, you're not going to survive. Let's just switch it up right now. <laughs> this was not an ideal career choice no, for you No, it really all. wasn't. Kids out there, do what you want to do. Just like do something that you're passionate about. I hated every second of every class I took. I, I, I was bad at all the classes. I was like, it just sucked. But I knew if I get in, I'll, I'll be able to pay my bills. <laughs> I am so glad that your parents were like, listen, you're not happy and you're not really good cut out for this let's find something that you that, that you can do which is a great thing for your parents to have done yeah yeah for african parents that was huge um it was a big deal for me yeah um after that so that was at the at the university of saskatchewan yeah i grew up in saskatchewan so okay so what brought you from saskatchewan to toronto Okay, um, I got married <laughs> and my partner uh, was working out here. So I thought, hey, why not go to, uh, it makes sense for me to come to Toronto. Um, there's more theaters, there's more work out here. So mm -hmm. I came and I, 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 it hasn't been easy, but it's been very rewarding in, um, you know, certain aspects. I've met some incredible people and there have been people that have just taken the chance on me and I really appreciate that. So that's what brought me here was because my partner and I haven't mm -hmm. regretted that decision of moving to Toronto. Now, when you say that it hasn't been easy, is it because there's so many more people doing like there's so many more theater productions, so much more theater, so much more quote unquote competition? Or is there something else that's made it hard? Yes, that and you would. So you would think that Toronto is a big city, but honestly, I felt like the theater community is small. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. very close knit and it's really hard to, you know, just make your way through it a little. And I was determined. I'm mm -hmm. very, I'm a very determined person. If it's something I want, I'm going to do it. And so I immediately, I think I landed in Toronto and like the next week I was sending emails out to companies being like, do you have spots in your box office? <laughs> Hmm. And um, it was actually Factory. I was very interested in working with Factory Theatre. I'd hmm. researched them and was really into what they were all about. So they were the first company that I reached out to asking, hey, like, you know, do you have anything happening in your box office or front of house? Just to get myself in a door that would allow me to network. And from then, hmm. you know, so many other opportunities have come and I've met some incredible people and I've been in some incredible spaces and yeah. Now you mentioned networking mm -hmm. and as, as a, as an introvert myself, I avoid that as much as possible. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, are you by nature more of an introvert or an extrovert? 
and what were you like? Well, let's let's leave. Let's start with that one question. I am extroverted. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I imagine that that the, the networking part of it was 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 easier for you as as far as like or came more naturally to you. Yes, I'm very much if 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 you're willing to have a conversation with me, you will get to know me very quickly. <laughs> like I am not afraid to have a conversation with you. What I am, I'm very cautious though with who I approach. Um, mm. I'm very much mm -hmm. about like, if I'm not getting the right vibe from you or if I'm not feeling like you really want to talk with me, I'm most likely not going to approach you. And you would think that I'm mm. introverted. But once you get to know me, you'll mm. realize just how extroverted I actually am. And I just love having conversations with people. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you somebody who has like, like really good instincts with like who you should talk to or, or is that like, it, do you have to study and figure out who you should talk to? I kind of have to study. I, I like to watch. Mm. It's such a creepy thing to say. I like to people watch. I like to see how you're interacting with other people and, mm. you know, just how you are when other people are approaching you. And if I feel safe or confident about that, then I will most likely approach you. Hmm. That's how I, it's That's such a weird thing. thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing that that I'm f kind of fascinated about is 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 um, as a, as an introvert, I love watching people, and I, I I'm fascinated with people, and and I people watch like crazy, and sometimes, I mean, again, it sounds crazy. I could tell you a lot about the people that I'm people watching, mm -hmm. but I am unable to take that step and be like, that's the person I'm going to talk to. That's the step that I can take. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta wing it. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you just got to take that step and just say, hey, and you either get a hey back or nothing. <laughs> hmm. Now, you, you mentioned, again, ju jumping back, you mentioned growing up in Saskatchewan. Were you like, what area of Saskatchewan were you in? Um, um, I grew up in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. I moved there when I was 13 from the UK. Mm. And so I grew up, okay. I went from grade eight all the way through high school in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, then went to Saskatoon for university. And then mm. I am now in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, as a, as, as, as a black person in uh, Swift Current, uh, uh, Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. um, were you like, were there, uh, was that a community that had a lot of black people in, in the community? Oh no, absolutely not. Um, but I think I'm used, to, I've grown up in a lot of places that are not, don't necessarily have a lot of black people in it. Um, mm. so living in the UK, of course you have way more black people. I had way more black people in, um, in, you know, school, but where I lived, like the neighbors were not, there weren't a lot of black people. So I've kind of always just been used to living in a space where I might be the only one in a room mm. or there might be two or three of us. So for me, Swift Current was like not completely out there because mm. I was almost prepared for it. Um, what I didn't like was that it was so small. <laughs> <laughs> what well, the, 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 the town was so small. Yeah. It's, it's mm. not very big. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause I'm, I'm asking you the question about being, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the, the few black people in the community. Um, 
So my brother uh, was adopted into a white family. He's a he's he's a black he was a black child adopted by a white family, mm-hmm. and so he he spent the first ten years of his life. We lived in in Belleville, which is a largely white town, <laughs> um, and so he was like when we went to school, it, it, like public school, he was the only black kid in that school, mm-hmm. and and I, I I you know I think about how that affected how he moved through the space right. there and how how that sort of forms how he moves through this space now. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's very interesting. I think I've come to find Yvonne's voice a lot more in especially last year. I think mm. I've always moved through white spaces with caution and with um pick your battles. It's mm-hmm. not everything you speak up on. If something makes you uncomfortable, deal with it in private. Um, don't bring mm-hmm. it up. Um, don't do anything that's going to cause too much ruckus. Um, you know, just just cruising. We just got to cruise and make it to the end um, is kind of what I, I think I felt growing up mm-hmm. until, you know, all the incidents of 2020 happened. And I got to a breaking point where I was like, this is not okay. Mm. And there are things that I've experienced that are not okay. Mm-hmm. And so I need to find the power in my voice and speak up for myself. Um, so I feel like, and that's kind of sad that I'm doing that in my late 20s. <laughs> it, it's like you've gone your whole life behaving one way and all of a sudden you have now found your voice and how are you navigating it in a different way, you know? So, you know, what's interesting is, is, you know, finding your voice in your late twenties, you're still very young yeah. and there's lots of time for you to develop that voice mm-hmm. and, 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 and to, to, to have that. Um, and cause a lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people wait until much later if they find it at all. So it's important and great that you found your voice mm-hmm. this, this year. Yeah. Um, did you find, um, I mean, when you went to when you went to 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 theater school, mm-hmm. um, as as far as the in the realms of of salt and pepper, how how much pepper was in your your school at that time? I think there were four of us. <laughs> out of out of uh, maybe twelve, thirteen, maximum fourteen in the group. Mm-hmm. So you know what the crazy thing is? There were four of us, but they mm-hmm. didn't use. That they, they completely ignored that, if I'm being very yes. honest. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember asking a professor, I remember saying, so you've got, this is the first time you have diversity in your department. Why are you not doing shows that highlights that? And I didn't really get an answer. Have you, have you considered, I know, I mean, I think I know what what the answer is, mm-hmm. but uh, have you considered what 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 their answer was? Oh, by the way, the answer that I think it was is a terrible answer. Oh, I a hundred percent knew it was a terrible answer. It's usually <laughs> oh, because there's no place like that. Oh, we can't find something like right. that. Or yeah. it was always an excuse, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, sounds good. Um, I will play the light. <laughs> the I will play your roles, and I will get graded on it. Um, mm-hmm. but. I don't think I knew of any black Canadian playwrights till I left university, hmm. which was crazy to me. That is crazy. And it's terrible. Like, were all of your teachers white as well? Yes. 
every single one of that's them. That's so typical, <laughs> even even today. Um, it's so typical that that a, a black student will come into a theater school and see, you know, like all other teachers will be white and they don't know any any plays by black playwrights, and that's that's a travesty. It really, <laughs> it really is. I think so. I remember in 2017, I had sent an audition tape to Philip Aiken at Obsidian. Um, and I came to Toronto, I guess that summer, and I wanted to meet with him to just discuss that, that tape. And he was just like, has anyone ever talked to you about lighting yourself, like hmm. lighting your skin? And I was like, no. And he was like, you need to find someone that knows how to light black people. Huh. And I was, for me, I was like, wow, I've really been living in a very white world. Like yeah. I did not know how to, like, I was like, so how have they been lighting me in school? Like, what have <laughs> I even been looking like? Cause I didn't know any different because, you know, I just didn't know what was, ex- what I, I deserved basically. Like no one ever mm-hmm. took, you know, care, like took time to figure out the costumes that I'm wearing. Do the colors even complement my skin tone? Am I being washed right. out? Um, mm. You know, it wasn't until I did one show that the lighting tech was indigenous and they were like, mm. we need to light Yvonne differently than lighting the rest of the cast. And I think that was the first time that someone had clocked that I'm not a white mm. person. Therefore, I do not need to, I will not be lighted the same way. And the costumes that you pick, the colors that you pick are not going to sometimes work for me. It's just it is what mm. it is. And so... I think there were certain things that happened in theater school where I'm like, well, dang, y'all really didn't prepare me for anything outside of this, outside of theater school, you know, and I'm learning them now. <laughs> it, it, to me, there's this there's this thing that happens because, you know, you've got a, a, our, our teachers in theater school and they know what they're doing because mm-hmm. they've done it. But they're not so great at new things. Yeah. And. To me, it seems to me that the that if you have a faculty of white people and you you have no plans to bring in uh, a black instructor or even a, a per- person of color, or people of color into your staff, it is your job as the faculty to research plays by black authors and how to light black people and how to do costumes. Like this is if you know and you know. Who's coming into your school? It's your job to know. And so you should be prepared. And the fact that that so many times it happens that they're not is just terrible. Yeah, I think the conversation definitely started. I, I will say there are some professors that I had that were incredible and were very mindful of that. And there mm. were others where I was just like, what is going on? And I think the community of Saskatoon especially after last year and everything that happened with them Mm. are really taking a look in the mirror to see where they may have failed um, Mm. their people of color in their community. And I think that's very important for them to go Mm. through that. Um, Because yeah, it was a disservice to those of us that were, you know, people of color. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you came to Toronto, how long between when you arrived uh, and how long was it until you you actually got to meet with Philip Aiken? I came to Toronto for actually when I sent the audition, I was like, I want to just go to talk to him. So I flew for a weekend. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was very like eager. I was, I'm just, a, I was eager to have a conversation. So I had messaged him to be like, hey, I'm going to be in Toronto. Do you have time for tea or, or coffee? And he was like, you know, yeah, because he's, he's great and he's mm-hmm. always open for tea. And I met him for the first time and we talked and he gave me a lot of advice and mm-hmm. introduced me to some people. Um, Akosia Amoadem was one of them. And I'd reached out to her that same time that I was here to be like, speak to me, speak wisdom into my life <laughs> as a young black actor. She was, she was great. So then I'd gone back and I didn't come back to Toronto until 2018. So the year mm. after. And um, it was then when I came back that I had to start making contact with people again. Um, I don't think, I don't actually know if Philip remembered me because I was, you know, I was a year ago, but I um, then was like, I'm going to go into factory first and then mm. through going into factory. Cause I just, I was literally obsessed with their programming and just what they were about. So I was like, if I want to be part of any company, that was who that, that was a company I wanted to be involved in somehow. Mm-hmm. And so after going into there, I was able to just talk to more people, see more people of color doing what they do and killing it. And yeah, it's been incredible. <laughs> mm. Um, is there one lesson that you wish that, um, had been taught to you when you were in theater school? Hmm. One lesson. There are several things, but I think, (laughs) I think one of the ones that, hmm, telling stories that connect to you, that you're connected to. Hmm. I telling when I tell a black character's story, I can feel it. I know exactly what it's like being in their shoes. Hmm. And I think I grew up telling stories of being a, a, a black woman playing white women. Hmm. That it just I was just doing it to pass class to pass school but playing a black woman telling the story of another black woman that's a completely different that's a completely different experience and it's very empowering if i must say and so i wish Mm. i wish they had done this uh, when i was in theater school is give me stories that i could like made sense like (laughs) you know what i mean that i could connect i could connect to because it produces a completely different side of Yvonne that I did not know. Now, when you were in theater school, were they doing like like Shakespeare and stuff and you were expected to perform it like a white woman or? Um, we would do shows like I, I did um, La Belle Sur and mm-hmm. um, I did um, Cabaret and I, you know, like it just shows that, what else did I do? Uh, the Golden Age where it's not necessarily written for black people or, you know, people of color. It's not written for them. I'm going to cast you because you need to be casted. Right. And so I kind of made white characters black. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I'm playing them, so I'm going to bring a different voice to it. Well, you have to. Yeah, like it's my only option. And so I've never, I had never played Mm. other than Toby in Quarren Boy, who was a black boy, but I was so, I was just getting in 
that I, for me, I didn't fully understand it, but I haven't since then. I don't think I've played another black character that is intentionally black. Hmm. I mean, there's this, there's, I mean, there's, it's, it's one thing to, to say, you know, there've been performances. Oh, which was it? There was a production of, of, uh, uh, one of the Shakespeare's that was done in New York, maybe two years ago where the cast was entirely black, which Mm -hmm. added like this amazing thing. And I remember watching a video of it being like, Oh, that's how you do iambic pentameter and make it sound like poetry because that's genius. Mm -hmm. Um, there was just so many amazing things that happened in that production that I saw, but, um, too many times I think that you're that that um, we rely too much on these white classical theater pieces mm-hmm. without um, like digging into the rest of the world. There's mm-hmm. so much more world out there than just Shakespeare and a bunch of white authors. Right. Um, but but as 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 not having the opportunity to play as many uh, characters that were written black. Um, have there been roles that you, that is there a role that you would want to play or the type of role that you would like to see yourself in? I want to see myself in a role that is, um, the depiction of a strong black woman. And it's, she's not like, she's not, she's no one's slave. She's Mm. no one's like, you know, she's just her and she's just strong. Mm. And no one's, yeah, no one's slave. No one's made. I don't want to be anyone's best friend. I, I want a character that is, she is the boss. She is the main mm. character. She Her voice is strong and it's not questioned. That's who she is. Mm. That's the kind of character I want to play. If there's a character out there, <laughs> that's what I want to play is I don't want her voice to be questioned. Mm. It just, that's her voice. Have you thought about writing that character? See, so I would write that character if I was a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a writer. I, I, I pretend or I try to be, but it fails mm. multiple times. I don't think I'm a, I don't think that's my, my, my calling. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but as a, as a producer, you could always connect with somebody who could write that. For yeah. You. I, I totally could hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but that's what I would like to play. Hmm. I, I often watch Viola Davis and hmm. when she played, um, Annalise Keating, I said, if I ever get to play a character like that, Hmm. that would be wicked. Hmm. Like this woman, the character wasn't originally written for a black woman. Hmm. But when she took the role, she was like, y'all gonna make her a black woman. Like, you know, like (laughs) I just, there are so many things that happen, like her exposing her natural hair and taking Mm. off the eyelashes and, and the makeup. I was like, there's so Mm. much power in this. Why are there not more characters like this being shown? Mm. Mm. You know, it's, 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 there's this, this strange attitude in, in the entertainment world where the idea is that white stories are universal Mm -hmm. and black stories are for black people. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a, like, there's this idea that only white stories are universal. Mm-hmm. And the ridiculousness of that to me is the fact that um, the more specific a story is, the more we relate to it. Doesn't matter the culture mm-hmm. or the the color of the skin. I remember hearing somebody say 
um, wherever, you know, it's a white play, but wherever Fiddler on the Roof is performed, mm -hmm. people see it as their story. If you perform it in China, they see it as a Chinese story. If you yeah. perform it in in Russia, it's a Russian, like it, wherever you perform it, it's their story. Mm -hmm. And so be, by being specific and telling really specific stories about black stories about chinese stories about 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 stories of from other cultures without having to make them uh, uh just like a pastiche of whatever it is the more specific you get the more the more universal it is the more people relate to it mm -hmm. it's like we we need those stories and and we need them to be not you know let's stop marketing those stories just to you know black audiences yes yeah. yes the movie comes out and we're then we just show the commercials for it on bet that's <laughs> bullshit it, you know that's bullshit yeah. and we should be showing it everywhere else yeah i think you know what i think for me is if you're going to cast me as a black woman to play a white character you need to respect the voice that i'm going to bring and you need to respect that it's not going to be of a white woman or mm -hmm. a white character i'm bringing who i am my voice to this character so i don't come and tell me I'm, oh yes, I'm casting you as Juliet, but can you play Juliet more white? No. If you're casting me as Juliet, then Juliet is black. And therefore I will bring whatever voice that I have for Juliet. That's what's, that's what you're going to get. And it's crazy because I got asked last summer, okay, well, how do we tell Shakespeare stories and make it diverse? I said, Shakespeare <laughs> wrote people. Yes. He wrote people's stories. We've just so happened to make them white people, but they are people's stories. Juliet is a 14-year-old girl. A black 14-year-old girl has probably experienced falling in love and mm -hmm. thinking that that is it. I have fallen in love. So why are you asking me how to make it diverse? That doesn't even, like that for me was, I was like, why am I answering this question? To me, that seems like one of the most ignorant questions because we could uh, we've 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 done these plays with gender bent casting, right? You know that's really common. It's like ooh, we're doing Hamlet, but Hamlet's a woman, like, and that's like, but the idea that that like oh, now how do we put diversity into these plays? You cast it, yeah. You cast it diverse, and they'll bring their. I yeah. said I was like, if you cast it diverse, mm -hmm. they'll bring their voices to it. Yes, they will bring their voices to the character. If you, and the director has to stand back and encourage or to, to foster those voices and not to be like, eh, the last white girl who played Juliet said the line like this. Can you like that's like if you wanted that, you cast a white girl. But, you know, the diversity of it is you 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 encourage everybody to bring their voice to the role. And then you have true diversity in that in that show. Right. I'm like and we're here at Shakespeare. Everyone's doing different adaptations of it. Listen, if you really wanted to cast an all-black Shakespeare, you can totally cast an all-black mm. Shakespeare and just change the setting. Where, like, change the time that it's happening. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yes. I yeah. said, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's for me. It's crazy. We should not be having these discussions. It's a thing that can happen. Nothing is impossible. It can happen if you want it to happen. And so that's yeah. That's the the operative word is the phrase is if you want it to happen yeah people who are asking the question like oh but how can we make this diverse they don't want it to happen yeah you know they may say that they want to but it's easy 
you just do it. Yeah, I think if you want something to happen, you're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen, right? Yes. You're going to yeah. go out of your comfort zone. You're going to put people in position that can help you make it happen. You're going to go out there and do your research. You're going to reach out to black directors. You're going to reach mm -hmm. out to, you know, people, the voices that you want to hear, if you really want it, you'll reach out to them. And trust me, they will, they would say yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They would, Absolutely. They're not going to sit and say, nah, no, I don't really want to. They would say yes. And I just think I'm sick and tired of hearing the excuses. We want to, but it's just not possible because there's nothing that's impossible. No, I think the, the often it's the, it's the, oh, we'd like to, but it's just so hard. There's just no black actors. And it's like, what? Yeah. Or you guys, like that was, the, I think Saskatchewan, that was one of their biggest excuses was, oh, well, you guys always leave to Toronto. They always leave to Toronto. And I, I remember saying, I have watched you all, you companies, I have watched you bring white actors from BC, from Toronto, mm -hmm. from Manitoba. Mm -hmm. You have flown them in. If you want a black actor, fly them mm -hmm. in. Yeah. It's really not complicated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, if you cast people, if you gave people work that was the, you know, if you cast them regularly, maybe they wouldn't have to leave. But again, if it's if it's a regular thing for you to bring in to fly in actors from Toronto or Vancouver, then you could do the same thing for a black actor or an indigenous, like you know, or an indigenous any actor, person yes. of color. If you want them, you can make it happen. And we, yes. it's not like we're going to say, mm, no, if you're paying for our flight. I will hop on that flight. See you there. You know, like it is yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. I will hop on it very quickly and I will yeah. see you there. Um, so that excuse does not work anymore. No, yes. no, it doesn't. Now, Yvonne, just as we start to draw to a close, <laughs> one of the questions that I've been asking you for a year now, um, now that we're a year into the pandemic, is... I'm very curious about joy because joy has been at moments for everybody in this whole past year mm -hmm. uh, in short supply. And so my question for you is what has been giving you joy lately? Hmm. I think for me, it's waking up every day and being grateful that I'm alive, that I have a roof over my head, that I'm able to provide for myself food and that my friends and family are there for me. I think it's the little things that you take for granted and that I took for granted before this whole pandemic happened. And being in lockdown has taught me to find joy in those little things because mm. it's not everyone that's waking up. It's not everyone that has their family members that are still around. And mm. so what, if you have it, then you know cherish it. And I think that's what's bringing me a lot of joy as well is you know, even like not being able to physically be in a theater, I'm just grateful that theater is people are still making it happen and still trying to make it work. And so for me, that's really what is where I'm finding joy is in those little things that I took mm. for granted before, mm. you know? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and, and Yvonne, thank you so much for, for this conversation today. It's been a pleasure, Phil. Um, you're awesome. Thank you so much for having me.